Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. This episode of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is proudly sponsored by Casper Mattress. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. And speaking of the heart, today we're going to go right to the heart of the matter. And that is our personal relationships. We all know that one of the sweetest, most sacred points in our lives are the relationships that we share with others. And what happens to the landscape of those relationships as we grow, as we age, as we mature, as life changes. And with me in the studio today is Michaela Boehm. She teaches and counsels internationally as an expert in intimacy and sexuality. Born and raised in Austria, Michaela combines her background in psychology and extensive clinical experience with her in-depth training in the yogic arts as a classical Kashmiri tantric lineage holder into a unique offering of experiential learning. Mikkel has been with us before, and she is such a delight. And I want to just say welcome, and, and thanks for coming to join me again on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, Mikkel. Well, thank you for having me again. Well, it's a pleasure. You have so much wisdom, so much um, sage counsel for us, and how we can not only improve the relationship with others, but I would say most importantly, how we can begin to improve the relationship with ourselves. Mm. Yeah, it's such a fascinating and, and uh, you know, full-on topic. I was just uh, listening to your introduction and, uh, you know, how you talked about happiness and the wide-reaching um, effects of happiness. And so the... Um, you know, the relational aspect of um, happiness or well-being is kind of interesting because it, things have changed dramatically, particularly in the last five to eight years as far as, uh, you know, how people are in relationship and what's required to be in relationship. Yet we still have the same kind of yearnings and the same kind of um, uh, you know, ideas about how relationship could go. And many of those ideas are no longer or never have been true. Mm. Talk a little bit about the evolution and shift of the nature of relationship in the past mm. several years, because I agree with you. I've observed uh, changes as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a big topic. You know, there's so much uh, that can be said about um, where we are, and of course, you know, we are both in California where things are particularly upfront as far as relationships go. But when we look at, let's say, the last hundred years, right, just to kind of take a snapshot, um, there has been the evolution of a very traditional, uh, very um, 
restrictive relationship patterns um, that, uh, you know, you could only be a certain way in relationship or you were considered an outlier or an outlaw. Uh, I just uh, had a, a, a couple of uh, days where I uh, binge watched Downton Abbey because I had a little <laughs> bit of free time. And, and one of the things that struck me, there's in, in, you know, not not to spoil anything, but uh, there's a lot of mention of the necessity of marriage and what would, what happens to women if they're not married, or God forbid, have a child out of wedlock, right? And that's the early 1900s. So, hundred years ago, um, there was only one option as a both men and women, uh, societally speaking, you found someone, you married, you procreated. And uh, anything you did that was outside of that particular uh, concept was considered morally wrong, bad. Adultery was a crime, you know, back then that you could be prosecuted for. And uh, I still remember days where there were hotels where you had to prove that uh, you were actually married, you know. Mm. So these things have, of course, changed dramatically, societally speaking. And uh, then came women's liberation and uh, women were liberated to use all their capacities, not only the traditional female capacities, but also go in the workforce and assert themselves and do all the things that we are now privileged to do in the West, at least. Uh, but relationally speaking, the need for um, attraction or chemistry has grown substantially. It used to be that you were lucky if you got married to somebody you loved. And certainly most people, including my own parents, who've been married for 50 years now, um, weren't really allowed to spend time with each other before they moved in together. So, mm. you know, which, which is kind of an, an, a pretty insane thought when I think about the fact that my parents courted uh, under the watchful eyes of my grandmother and you know, they snuck away ever so often but they never spend a night together till they get married and what a surprise that must have been exactly well also just I mean we're not even speaking sexually but just relationally you know moving in with somebody who you've never really spent time with and uh, you know nowadays of course we have complete complete freedom and we have relative gender equality. I mean, you know, I know there's still lots to ask for, but relatively speaking to other parts of the world and other cultures, um, we enjoy a very, um, you know, equal uh, rights uh, relationship in, in, in most cases. So now we're suddenly talking about uh, women coming home from work, men coming home from work, children being raised in daycare or, you know, in other situations and not just at home. We're talking about people having less and less time and uh, less and less sex and less and less relationship. So, And all of this is, is, is disappointing, actually. You know, if I look at the last five years of my own life, certainly in the changes that you've mentioned that have gone on, there is the last time. There is uh, so many demands placed upon us that it is very, very uh, challenging to make time for the relationship with, with our love, with our, with our partners. Um, but the other side of the coin is that in the last several years, how we partner and who we choose to partner and what constitutes a family has changed. Yeah, yeah. And, and it has changed substantially. Um, and with that, of course, um, has also, the, the change has been sexually, right? There's a relational change and the sexual change. So the relational change is, of course, that the traditional roles have been completely uprooted, and that's great, except we don't really have new models. And uh, uh, when we talk about sexual chemistry or sexual compatibility or even sexual willingness, uh, we also have a bit of an issue in our hands because sexual chemistry is um, dependent on laws that are almost like physics. So... Uh, uh, you know, polarity is one way of calling it, meaning the attraction of polar opposites. And when there is no more polar opposites, 
because everybody's doing the same and being the same and orienting the same way, there's very little um, sexual attraction or sexual, uh, you know, uh, electricity. And uh, that's not even to take into account the relational aspects and, you know, like you said, the stress and no time and no space and no intimacy and, um, you know, the phone goes everywhere we go and uh, the need to always be available and respond all of those things have made it so that very few people in relationship um, after a little while um, have strong and healthy um, sexual experiences and it's also made for an interesting relational setup because Nowadays, of course, women no longer need to marry men in order to be safe or, mm-hmm. um, you know, or for anything, really. You can buy sperm in a sperm bank. Most women can support themselves financially by themselves, have children by themselves, can have children by themselves and can choose how they want to be in relationship, not based on security, but based on completely different uh, preferences. So... Things have changed in in all ways, and we don't really have a path yet to move forward. And so, one of the things that I found very helpful in in my work, uh, both in the you know, I traveled and talked with David Data for thirteen years, and uh, I counseled uh, people and couples for twenty two years. So, between those two um, aspects, I found dealing with how to create sexual attraction are very, very important. We are going to go to a break in just a moment. But before we do, I want to mention um, that she, she counsels individuals to do workshops on intimacy intensives for both men and women, as well as offer mentorships and relationship counseling both to couples and individuals. So your, your practice is very, very vast, and your knowledge runs very, very deep. You live and uh, run a small organic farm, is my understanding, <laughs> not far yes. from here, not far from the beach, in a beautiful, uh, quaint town of Ojai, California, yes. Yes. Um, where you uh, live, live off the land and with the land and your animal. And I want to send our listeners over to your website, which is www.mikela.com. Dot com. And on Facebook, that page is actually in the reverse. It's Um When we come back, I want to take the conversation to the evolution, staying on that topic of the evolution of relationship. When we start out from lust and we move to boredom, to perhaps transcending to the place of better. And I think it can be. I'm optimistic. So stay tuned. We'll come right back here at the tune. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Love to read? Looking to harvest your happiness? Then look no further. Lisa Cypress Kamen is an author of three amazing books that will assist in taking your well-being and self-mastery to the next level. Are we happy yet? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life offers breakthrough strategies for creating your own personal happiness revolution. Perspectives on addiction, an integrated journey to wellness is an overview of the recovery process from a multi-stepped perspective and holistic approach of substance abuse and lifestyle management. Through her third book, Reintegration Strategies for Depression, Anxiety, Anger, Grief, and Post-Traumatic Stress, offers an own nonsense approach to dealing with post-combat civilian life reintegration issues for veterans and their families. You'll find these books online at Amazon.com and HarvestingHappiness.com. 
Mindful meditative moments are free and relaxing on-the-spot mini staycation journeys designed to calm the mind and soothe the body from the comfort of wherever you are. No reservations or travel required. Check out the playlists on HarvestingHappiness.com and Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes and SoundCloud. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about the heart of the matter, and the heart of the matter being relationships, the intimate connections that we have with our loved ones, with our partners, and my guest today is Michaela Bohm. She teaches and counsels internationally as an expert in the areas of intimacy and sexuality. Prior to the break, Michaela, you and I were talking about the landscape of relationships and how they have evolved over the years, certainly in the last 100 years, but with particular attention to the last five in that who we love, how we love, how we, we create family and partnership has certainly shifted in the last several years, how do we maintain or keep up with the evolution of our relationships? In other words, when we would come together with our partner, there's lust and excitement and um, sizzling sexuality in most cases that later is replaced through comfort and evolution in, in perhaps with boredom. And then how do we come to a new normal or a new paradigm where we're able to restore vital energy, intimate connection, and find all the comfort and security that, that we so desire with our partners. Mm. Mm. It's a big topic. You know, I think the yeah, first and foremost uh, thing that I, I uh, you know, see with people when I'm working with them, both in workshops and, and when people come to see me individually, the same a question always shows up, which is uh, what do you want your relationship to look like, right? Because uh, we don't have to choose traditional roles anymore, uh, but many people are still uh, proceeding as if they have to. And uh, a lot of the uh, relational uh, problems that I see come from people who are really not clear on what do they want, right? I've seen more and more men we're really not interested in maintaining a long-term committed relationship because, uh, you know, with Tinder and everything else that's out there, um, and 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 also so many available women, you know, nowadays, uh, a lot of guys no longer want long-term or monogamous relationship, and and the same is true for a lot of women who don't feel that one man gives them everything that they desire. So. They have these, um, you know, different different people for different things. Not all of them sexually, but uh, they have conglomerates of uh, of male attention in a certain way. So, you know, th- those are those are all considerations and options that people have available. So, before you deepen into your relationship, it's good to know what kind of relationship you want. But if you are in the situation where you are with one person and you want to deepen that relationship, um, you know, long-term and and um, in a way that allows both people to not only grow, but also, uh, you know, enjoy themselves and, and uh, have an ongoing interaction that's also sexual. There's a few things that have to be considered, one of which is that naturally how relationship evolves goes from that first like you called it the lust part right the the big explosion uh, and and mind you that's also changing i've uh, met quite a few people who did not have that in the beginning and got together for other reasons but for the most part the way it goes is we meet someone and we start talking with them and it's incredibly exciting because we don't know them they don't know us uh, you know that these first couple of weeks of just exchanging stories and everything's brand new and it's so exciting and you go on dates and um, the tension runs high and you know there's the expectation of it going sexual and kissing and making out and then there is sex and it's it's fantastic and one of the reasons why it's fantastic 
you know, not always, and there's other considerations, but mostly that's how people get together is because there are two people who don't know each other. And the mm. less you know uh, the other person and the less familiar you are with them and the more opposite of them you are, the more sexually exciting it is. So another way of saying that is relationship is built on sameness. You know, so we have um, relationships with people at work that are built on working at the same place. We have relationships with people politically because we believe in the same things, right? Or we share common interests or we share uh, common friends. And so um, most of us like getting into relationship with people with whom we have a lot in common. So that's that's closeness or sameness. And um, that's very comforting and very beautiful. But sexual attraction or polarity, as it's sometimes called, is based on oppositeness or different different aspects of us. So when you imagine it as polarity, you can imagine a North Pole and a South Pole and you call them apart and there's this strong arc of attraction or a plus and a minus or a dark and a light, right? So it's the opposites that create the spark. And the further apart you are, the greater the sexual attraction. Now, then what happens is people have the strong sexual attraction. Uh, it's amazing. They spend more and more time together and they become more and more the same. They discover more and more uh, similar interests. They spend more time together. Perhaps they move in together, um, you know, and then there comes this classic moment. This is a cliche, but it is you know, you hear it over and over and over where people are sitting on the sofa next to each other in their matching sweatpants, watching their favorite TV show, eating their favorite treats. And if it's a loving relationship, they might hold hand or cuddle, but there's no sexual spark. It's gotten boring. And that lack of sexual spark is literally the result of um, the poles having rubbed off, right? If you if you rub magnets together, they will lose their charge. If you mm. bring people too close together and they do too much of the same, they lose their charge. They might gain love and closeness and intimacy if you're lucky. Uh, you know, sometimes with you know the advent of iPhones and other things, that's no longer the case. But if you're lucky, you might feel incredibly loving and cuddly towards each other. You just don't feel turned on. And, um, you know, it's always funny when people say things like, oh, I married my best friend. Because as beautiful as that sentiment is, it, it usually means they end up on my couch complaining that they no longer have sex. And then, of course, depending on how you are... Um, you know, built and where you live and things like that. People have these bright ideas of opening the relationship if you live in California or cheating or porn or um, heavy duty shopping or, you know, getting busy with one's calendar. And all these things happen that make it so that the pain of that attraction being gone gets, uh, you know, kind of swept under the rug. So and how do that, but let me ask a question about about how we ignite that uh, passion. Is it passion for each other, or is it igniting some passionate and spark or common goal that then fires up these other areas? Well, the common goal um, is more of the same, right? And that might make the relationship more interesting. Uh, which then might, you know, create other things, but a much simpler and more surefire way uh, to go is to re-remember the mechanisms that made it exciting in the first place, or if it was never exciting, then creating the mechanisms. And so, um, you know, it's widely described, and I no longer describe it that much, uh, in, in this way because it's loaded with a lot of cultural baggage, pop culture baggage. But it's widely described as one partner in the relationship and it doesn't matter if it's the man or the woman or a same-sex uh, relationship or a heterosexual relationship, but one partner 
picks up one end of the pole and the other person picks up the other part of the pole, commonly spoken as as the masculine and the feminine. Not to be um, in, in any which way confused with men and women because every man and every woman has masculine and feminine in them. I sometimes call it these days the organizing principle and the pleasure principle so, because mm. each human being has both. So for the polarity to be um, reactivated, all that really needs to happen now, there are psychological issues, you know, resentment and things like that. But from a technical viewpoint, and we can very easily produce that in a workshop, usually within 10, 15 minutes of instruction, total strangers even, but also people who are in relationship. If you pull it apart and one person picks up one principle while the other person picks up the other principle, automatically, like physics, the arc of attraction is... Um, produced and it's okay for people to not be polarized for most of their lives but when it comes to the bedroom and when it comes to their romantic um, interaction it's really good to do that because in the beginning that's what's also done right people spend time apart and then come together which is something that goes with most couples so the simple the simple ways to look at it is making uh the partners more, uh, you know, or, or different from each other when for that and spending time apart and coming back together are two of the biggest tools. Mm. Well, certainly it creates uh, energy. It creates uh, good conversation, in, you know, and which is, I, I think, the, the back door into better sex and better, you know, physical intimacy as you find that you have more to talk and laugh about and share. And that just creates good feelings, which then leads to the next natural step. Exactly. And, and, you know, it's very important to know that it really is like physics and you can, you know, you can create it very easily by uh, pulling apart, having different interests, um, you know, becoming, we haven't even talked about the, 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 the aspects of that yet that can be very, very refined, right? Um, whoever, whoever is with the organizing um, principle is uh, going to create the direction and the penetration in the, in the you know, occasion. And whoever is with the pleasure principle is going to create the energy and, and the surrender and the openness and the flow. These are things that can be learned very, very easily when you know what you're doing. We are out of time, and I want to send our listeners over to your website, which is www.michaelabohem.com, to learn more about the work that you do, your workshops, the intimacy intensive for men, women, and couples, and also to let our listeners know that they can find you on Facebook at bohem.com. Michaela, it's been an absolute pleasure having you share yourself and your concepts of polarity and, and actual chemistry or alchemy of relationship that can be ignited at any time um, simply with a little bit of attention from what it sounds like. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to go to a break. But before we do, I want to talk about my bedmate. I am happily sleeping with Casper. Now, my partner probably would cringe if he heard this, but it's true. We are sleeping with Casper, and that is Casper Mattress. Casper Mattress is obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It has just the right sink, just the right bounce, combining two technologies, a hybrid of latex foam and memory foam. They have risk-free trials and a very generous return policy. Try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Casper mattresses are made in America, and they have a fabulous price point, $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king. Comparing that to industry averages, that's just an outstanding price point. And for our listeners of Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, we have a special gift, a special promo. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com slash sleep 
happy and use the vanity code, the promo code of sleep happy. There are certain terms and conditions that apply, but once again, that's www.casper.com slash sleep happy. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life can be tough and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Remember what it feels like to receive a gift? We all know nothing gives happiness like a present, so you should unwrap yours at harvestinghappiness.com and sign up to receive your free ebook, Got Happiness Now, that offers simple, user friendly ways to get greater happiness in your world each and every day. That's harvestinghappiness.com. Lisa Cypress Kamen has built an impressive global lifestyle management consulting company offering applied positive psychology, mindfulness, and integrated well-being coaching. Her services, including addiction and trauma recovery support, as well as life crisis triage, are available worldwide through phone, video, and on-site. In addition, Lisa delivers workshops, lectures, and trainings to corporations and institutions and is a frequent guest expert on many prominent radio and TV shows. Connect with us at Harvesting Happiness for more information. Harvesting Happiness for Heroes is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation offering innovative and integrated stigma-free combat recovery services to veterans and their loved ones with programming that focuses on the transformation of post-traumatic stress into post-traumatic growth using scientifically proven positive psychology coaching tools and strategies that increase self-mastery, self-awareness, and self-esteem to help heal the invisible wounds of war. To make a tax-free charitable contribution or to learn more, please visit Visit hh4heroes.org. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about bringing the sizzle back, bringing sexy back to our relationships with my next guest, who is a dynamo. We're speaking with Beatty Cohen, and she is a therapist. She is an author. She is a radio show in her own right, and I want to talk to her about her show. She's written the book For Better, For Worse, Forever, Discovering the Path to lasting love. Uh, She has been working for decades with couples, how to get them to reconnect, how to get them back in the groove with one another. Welcome, Beattie. Thanks for joining us. So nice to be with you. Very, very nice to be uh, on the show. Well, this is terrific. I I, want to know well, I want to know a lot because you and I, prior to getting started here, you said, oh, you had a, a client or a patient story that you wanted to share. Maybe we should just go there and jump right in. Well, it's an interesting thing. Uh, a, a patient of mine contacted me several months ago, and he had little, if any, sexual desire. He'd been married for almost 10 years to a physically beautiful woman. And just didn't quite understand what was going on. So naturally, you know, I was looking at the relationship and the testosterone levels and all of that seemed to be, other than the sexual issue, you know, more or less in a, in a, in a pretty good place. And this morning, interestingly, this is after uh, several months of treatment, I get an email from him. And he says, listen, I have a confession that I need to, uh, to make. He says, during the entire time that we were focused on their sexual relationship or actually lack of sexual relationship, he was watching porn many, many times during the day, masturbating. And uh, as I said to him, I wrote him back this morning and I said, listen, you know what, the human 
human flesh cannot really compete with uh, with porn. So here we had a situation where the the porn and the masturbation really took precedence over anything that was going on or actually not going on with his wife. And what had happened is that, of course, there was no desire. And there was a lot of guilt, uh, according to him. So he was having some difficulties getting an erection when he was with his uh, his wife. And what I'm seeing more and more in the practice is that there are a lot of men who are using porn as a substitute, even though their partners and their wives very much are wanting to have a sexual relationship with their with their man. So uh, I think that listeners really need to be aware of the different things in our lives that can really numb us out and, and um, you know, interfere with our real life, flesh to flesh, sexual relationships, including uh, porn and excessive masturbation. Uh, and of course, you know, stress and work in these days, I mean, people were, you know, we're just so overly, overly and excessively involved in all kinds of activities that take us away from our relationships and our uh, and our sex lives. And, and, you know, another interesting thing is, is that last night I had dinner with two girlfriends, one 54 years of age, the other one 45 years of age, uh, lovely women, uh, lovely relationships. And as we were talking, they said they had zero sexual desire at all. So, of course, Beatty went into her, you know, what is going on? And they were very eager to talk. Uh, about the fact that they had no desire. And what I have discovered over the years, really, is that there are 10 primary reasons why we are having challenges in the bedroom. And so many of us are. I mean, I think you make a very good point about the numbing and the unwillingness to feel. This, this is what I see that has become pervasive. You know, we're all tied up in our in our lives, in our jobs, in in the day to day, and we're unwilling to tap into that feeling part, that vulnerability part, which is where some of that sexiness actually resides. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, people are not prioritizing their relationships or their sex lives. I mean, I, I cite a study that was done at uh, uh, Western Pittsburgh uh, Psychiatric Hospital. And this was a study with 100 couples and they were not in therapy. And maybe on, a, on an unconscious level, maybe they wanted to be in therapy. But these were couples uh, that define their marriages as either happy or very happy. Okay, so these were not couples who saw themselves as being in dysfunctional, unhappy uh, marriages, and the the findings were, I think, very significant. Uh, number one. 50% of these happy and very happy women uh, said that they had difficulty becoming aroused. 25% of these happy and very happily married women said that they had uh, difficulty achieving uh, orgasm. 15% could not achieve orgasm under any circumstances at all. And with the men, it was interesting, too, that a third of um, the men uh, said that they had uh, issues and challenges with uh, premature ejaculation. And this next statistic is really troubling, that 52% of men in this particular study between the ages of 40 and 70 had challenges with erectile dysfunction. Oof. So if this is what's going on in the bedrooms of the happy and very happily married uh, you know, couples. Uh, you can imagine what is going on or not going on uh, in the bedrooms of other people who uh, would see their relationships as less than uh, satisfying. And with all the couples that I treat, and the majority do not come to me only for, in quotes, sexual issues. Uh, sex is an issue. It's oftentimes very, very non-existent. Uh, I see many couples who basically have sexless marriages and it's not that they want sexless, sexless marriages but it's interesting how the the weeks the months the years go by and you know as I say all the time if we're not paying attention uh, not only does our sex life can can that easily disappear but of course our primary relationships can also disappear as well and you know my my commentary is is that we do need to put our relationships including our sex lives at the top of the list of our priorities otherwise um, we are going to be very disappointed and disillusioned when things are not working in the way that we hope they would work 
Indeed. Let's talk about those 10 points that you mentioned early on. You said that, that you've identified 10 points. Yes. yes. And then we got distracted. And I want to go back to that because I love giving tips. Okay. Number one, each of us needs to be in a healthy, emotional, psychological, and psychiatric state if we plan on having a good relationship, sexual or otherwise, with anyone. So we need to be basically okay. So issues like, you know, depression and anxiety and, and bipolar disorder and other psychiatric problems, including stress and, and low self-esteem and eating disorders and substance abuse and our early childhood sexual abuse and religious beliefs uh, experiences that we've had, we do need to be willing and serious about acknowledging, addressing, and resolving these issues even though we cannot change our history. So that if we are not, if we ourselves are not in a good place and if we are dealing with uh, depression and if we have undiagnosed, as an example, uh, anxiety disorder, bipolar disorder, substance abuse, this is definitely going to interfere not only with our lives and our relationships, but also our sex lives. So we have a responsibility to ourselves to take care of our business. Amen. Get right with ourselves. Number one. Number two. Okay, number two, number two, we need to be comfortable with our own bodies and comfortable exploring our own bodies in order for uh, ourselves to determine what does and what does not arouse us. I mean, if we don't know uh, what it is that really turns us on, how can we expect our partners to know what we like and what we don't like if we don't know ourselves? And Another interesting thing that's been, uh, you know, that I've been hearing about more and more uh, in the news and seeing in, in the practice is that a lot of women, teenagers and college age women, uh, are engaging in a variety of sexual practices that they do not want to be engaging. In fact, Peggy Ornstein has just come out with a recent book, who's a New York Times columnist. Uh, her research found that these young women uh, more and more are engaging in, in, in anal sex uh, and in oral sex, which is fine if that's what they want to do, but they don't want to do it. And they're doing it because they feel that this is what their partners and what this is what their boyfriends want. So that, again, if we are doing things that we are uncomfortable with, it is definitely not going to be a sexual turn on. And we are going to tend to want to remove ourselves more and more, not only maybe from our relationships, but from our sex lives as well. So people have to be very clear about what it is that's okay and what it is that is not okay and to not engage in behaviors of any kind that make us feel bad and hurt and humiliated and, 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 uh, and that really are interfering with who we are as, uh, as women and, and also men. Agreed. So in a sense, it's about knowing the roadmap to your own body, knowing knowing what pleases you, what brings you home, and what makes you feel comfortable when you are engaging in the activity itself. Exactly. And, and being able to communicate that to one's partner. Because I think a lot of people believe that, you know, that our partners should be mind readers. And, and, and they're not. And the fact is, is that people really are struggling. I mean, I will get calls from college co-eds and they want to interview me on different subjects, primarily sex and, and relationships. And I'll ask them, how are you doing? How are you doing in your relationship life? How are you doing in your sex life? And they will say, well, uh, we are having sex. Uh, we are primarily having sex uh, when we are drunk. When we are drugged, and this is consensual, I mean, nobody, you know, that I'm talking to is saying that they've been raped or sexually assault, assaulted, uh, and that they are disappointed. And, of course, how would they not be disappointed uh, if they are doing things drunk or drug, and when there is no emotionality and no connection uh, with their partners, so, uh, again, we have to be very, very clear what it is that we're looking for. I mean, if we can handle hookups and if that works, 
who am I to say that that's not okay? But the the reality is, is that the majority of women, at least that I speak to, who are engaging in this whole hookup culture are not feeling good about what's happening. And they're not feeling good about their sex lives. And they're certainly not feeling good about their relationship lives. So again, it's about being true to ourselves and figuring out what it is that we want and that we don't want. We are talking about bringing sexy back. We're talking about bringing sizzle back to the bedroom, sizzle back to our relationships with B.D. Cohen. We're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we are going to carry on this titillating conversation. To learn more, please visit bdcohen.com, and that is www.b-e-a-t-t-y-c-o-h-a-n.com. On Facebook, Ask B.D., and on Twitter, that handle is at BDMSW. Here come those tunes, and I promise you, we will be right back. We know that life can be tough, and that happiness can and does live alongside adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Harvest more happiness by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Lisa Cypress Kamen, author of Got Happiness Now, is also a prestigious TEDx presenter. Her talks, The Mysteries of Fear and the Inversion Theory of Joy, can be found online at TED.com and on the Harvesting Happiness YouTube channel. Be a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the Medical Center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. Check out the critically acclaimed documentary film, H-Factor, Where is Your Heart? An insightful visual journey from Lisa Cypress-Kamen, showing that every person possesses the means to be happy. Follow Lisa and her nine-year-old daughter, Kayla, as they travel the world on the hunt for the universal keys to human happiness. Their question? What makes you happy? Discover the origins of human happiness, where to find it, create it, and keep it. Find it in our shop at HarvestingHappiness.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen, the show dedicated to promoting happiness from the inside out by thriving with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. So let's get back to the show and your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because it's kind, it's free, it's legal, and it's actually sizzling today. And caring is sharing. Sharing is caring. And I'm talking with B.D. Koan, who is a therapist, and she has written the book, For Better, For Worse, Forever, Discover the Path to Lasting Love. She has been working with couples and individuals for years in the arena of couples, relationships, and sexuality. Prior to the break, we were talking about the top 10 things that we can do to enhance our sexuality and our relationships with our most intimate partners. BD, have at it. Continuing on the list of the top 10. Okay, so important. Our relationships must be in a good place emotionally if we are going to uh, anticipate having a satisfying sexual relationship. I mean, look, if you're angry with your partner, if you have all of this unfinished business, if you're disappointed, if you haven't had any great connection, emotional connection, good conversation, the majority of women are absolutely not going to feel like jumping into bed and having 
the sex. So what I say to couples all the time, when issues arise, the most important thing that people can do is acknowledge and address and resolve the issues as best as they can and not wait months and years before it is frequently too late. So when things come up, do your due diligence and sit down, make a date and try as best as you can to go from A to B to C to D. And if you need to get some outside help, then so be it and do it. Because if you don't, it is definitely going to interfere with your sex life. And the communication is foreplay. You know, I know with my partner, if he does something in the morning that can be seemingly so innocuous, but it rates high on my awareness meter, like, oh boy, that was really a nice thing. And I'm feeling connected. I know that I'm already going to be thinking about that, that uh, reunification later. Let's put it in nice terms. <laughs> No, exactly. In fact, I coined a little phrase years and years ago called uh, emotional foreplay. And that is exactly what you are saying. It's like, I love you. I care about you. You look beautiful. Can I help you with the dishes? Can I help you put the kids to bed? These are the kinds of things. This is a very, very strong aphrodisiac for the majority of women. So you're absolutely right. Emotional foreplay, guys. Emotional foreplay. Love this, Beatty. Love it. All right. Next, after emotional foreplay or in addition to emotional foreplay. All right. I think a lot of people are unaware of the sexual side effects from both prescription and over-the-counter medications, including SSRIs. I mean, that's the antidepressants and the high blood pressure medications and the allergy medications and the cholesterol medications. And many of these meds make it virtually impossible to be able to uh, achieve orgasm. And uh, the medicines can take away some, if not all, of our sexual desires. So what we need to do, it's not about getting off the meds. It is about having honest uh, and frank discussions with our doctors and seeing is there another kind of medication and another kind of family with perhaps a lower dose that will be able to take care of the medical issue and minimize the sexual side effects. Because I know in, in, in my world of uh, antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, there are really only a couple of meds that have very, very few sexual side effects. And this is something that does need to be discussed with your physician, including your psychiatrist. And uh, the patient I feel has a responsibility to bring it up because these days in American mental health, when you have 15 minute med visits, uh, there isn't a lot of time to really talk uh, holistically about everything that's going on in your life. So people really need to be aware of these kinds of side effects. And frequently, a small change can make all the difference in the world. So do not be afraid to speak up. And that goes back to your point number one about getting right with ourselves. When we take responsibility, when we advocate for our needs, when we ask for what we want, and now I'm talking about outside of the bedroom, which is, again, as you mentioned, foreplay for what's going going to go on in the bedroom. When we take charge, we tend to feel better about ourselves. But there's one other thing I wanted to mention that I think that I have heard of with clients who come to me ex- expressing these symptoms that some of the doctors are giving them the weekends off or lowering the dosages and, and, and they need to ask their doctor to collaborate on this. Exactly. There needs to be ongoing, uh, you know, honest dialogue about this. And the subject of sex, by the way, is very, very rarely raised uh, when patients see doctors, including their psychiatrists and their internists and and, and frequently even their gynecologists, so that we have to we have to uh, be proactive and and question. You know, what is it that is interfering with, uh, you know, with my libido, uh, including hormones, of course, which is a whole other issue, you know, for menopausal and postmenopausal women and, and also men. So we have to educate ourselves. And when things are off, and if we need to, you know, seek out expert, uh, you know, resources, uh, it's our responsibility to take care of business. Agreed. What's another point that we need to take into consideration for having the most optimal sex life possible? Okay, so we have to be honest again and look at the sexual side effects from alcohol 
and, and, and from pot and even cocaine and other recreational drugs. And people will say, well, you know, I just need a couple of drinks to relax. But in fact, you know, excessive alcohol use, I mean, alcohol is a depressant and that's the way it works. So again, we have to be uh, able and willing to, to self-monitor and be careful what it is that we were, you know, are putting into to our bodies. And then you combine that with, with stress and, and work. You know, I saw a young uh, man a couple of days ago, you know, he's, he's just starting out as a lawyer and his work days are 18 hours. And then he comes home to his young wife and his baby. He's exhausted. And the first thing that he does is go to the computer and, and, and go to the porn sites. So I said to him, I said, you know, no wonder why you and your wife, you know, that you're not having an ongoing sexual relationship. You're tired. You're not exercising. You're not eating well. Uh, porn has become your, uh, you know, your kind of partner in, in, in trying to uh, unwind at the end of the day. And you, you have to take a look at all of the things that are working for you in your, in your own life, in your relationship life, and in your sex life. So there, there are just many different, many, many different areas that we have to be cognizant about. Uh, and again, it's, it's, it's taking care of our business. And if there are problems, be willing to acknowledge, address, and resolve. So the stress, the work, the porn, the excessive masturbation will totally numb you out, as will the uh, as will the pornography. And, you know, people do. People are not getting enough sleep. There was a whole piece that Ariana Huffington uh, did recently on the Huffington Post, you know, talking about the importance of sleep. If we're sleep deprived, we're not going to feel sexy. And conversely, there is not a better sleep medication in the world than having sex that's, that's the true. best that is the best knockout drug and we are not having enough of it you know we're not getting enough sleep we are overstressed as you mentioned we're on a whole host of medications prescribed and and or recreational so i think you make a very good point about sleep rest um increasing desire what's another point we are believe it or not running out of time so i want to make sure we get through these 10 points Okay, when people are having to deal with various different, you know, diseases, cancer, heart disease, I mean, they may not be able to have, you know, the the most sexy sexual relationship, but touch is really important, and I think that the more we touch each other, the more connected that we feel. Also, if we're looking at menopause and postmenopause, people need to be very aware of what's going on hormonally, and again, there are a variety of different tests to be able to look at your estrogen levels, your progesterone levels, your testosterone levels also for men. I see many men who are in their 30s and 40s who will say, I have normal testosterone levels, and I'll say, bring in your labs, and there's almost nothing there. So again, we have to look at the physical, we have to look at the emotional, we have to look at the relationship, and, and find a way that if things are off to deal with our issues and not procrastinate. And, you know, people will say to me all the time, what do women want? Of course, emotional foreplay. And the other thing, too, is that we women need between 15 and 20 minutes of physical foreplay before being sufficiently aroused. So just looking at us and touching us for, you know, 30 seconds or a minute is not going to do the trick. And this is where emotional communication, letting your partner know what it is that you want and need, what it is that really turns you on, what it is that you would like to be different. I mean, it boils down to to uh, being able to be connected to your partner through your ability, both of you, to be able to have uh, strong and good and effective emotional communication and, and problem solving. And also, don't be afraid to be adventuresome. If you're comfortable, try experimenting with sex toys and lubes and, and, and porn. And don't and if you don't currently have a partner, you have to give yourself permission to, to masturbate as frequently as possible so that you feel sexy and, and sexual. And also for couples, in our crazy, crazy, busy world, it's also important to make dates for sex. How wonderful to be able to look forward to tonight or tomorrow when we will be able to connect and, and put ourselves in a physical and in an emotional mindset where we keep that sexual energy going and that connection going. These are all really important things that people have to take seriously if they're going to improve the quality of their lives and their relationships and their sex lives. Thank you 
Beatty Cohen, for being with us on the show. I want to give your contact information one more time to learn more about the fabulous Beatty and all of the tips that she has to share. Please visit BeattyCohen.com. On Facebook, that page is Ask Beatty. And on Twitter, the handle is at BeattyMSW. And Beatty, one last um, item. Tell us a little bit about your radio show, just very quickly, where listeners can tune in. Okay, every Monday afternoon, it is a live show from 3 to 4 on the Progressive Radio Network. I do psychological commentary and analysis about hard news. People call in. Part of the format is a call-in counseling format. And there is also an archive section, so people who are not able to listen live can go to the Progressive Radio Network archive section and just Google Ask Beatty. Beautiful. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen, and my guest today, Michaela Boehm and Beatty Cohen, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with Toginet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and make it a great one. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook. Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness.